I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Hi, everybody. Welcome to IntroVets Podcast. Hello. The snack-sized episode. Dana, the therapist, is going to join us for our snack-sized episode as well. And today we're going to talk about grief management. So the reason that we're doing this topic, and it it is going to be a little bit off the cuff because it was completely unplanned. I did lose my old cat, Small Fry, this week. I've been pretty Mm -hmm. sad about it. But in my experiences in therapy, I've sort of learned over the years uh, about grief processing and how to respond to like major events in your life that happen that are very sad. And it's completely different this time than anything else I've experienced. And so I wanted, uh, if we could, to sort of bring that information to everybody, because we as veterinary professionals, we deal with grief all the time. We deal with normal people grief, like losing a family member, losing a pet, um, major life changes, maybe career transitions, like all the things in your life that would normally cause grief. But we also experience things on the behalf of our patients and clients. So we are Mm -hmm. right there and we are riding that grief train when we lose a patient, when a medical mistake is made or any of the other numerous things that we might encounter on a day-to-day basis. So I thought we could talk about grief as a thing. Sounds good. Well, so Dana, one of the things that I didn't ever know before, but that I sort of got introduced to over the past few years in as I've been on like this professional and personal growth journey, is the idea of sitting with your emotions And not just cramming them down into a tiny recess inside you and not ever looking in that door. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about what it means when people say sit with your emotions and how people can practice doing that? Yeah. So, you know, I think especially uh, feelings on the I don't like to call them the negative end of the spectrum, but the more difficult end of the spectrum. So sadness, disappointment, regret, grief, certainly. We tend to want to avoid those because they're uncomfortable. And I think when the loss is really significant, I've had several clients who were extraordinarily repressive with their grief because they were so afraid if they let themselves feel it at all, that it was going to completely overwhelm them. They would be uh, incapacitated with grief. And so they just shut it off. I mean, they put it in a compartment, locked that key and... Uh, threw it away. And so helping them feel like they weren't going to be consumed by it, they were going to still be functioning. Because there's some thinking errors associated with that, that it's going to be catastrophic if I allow myself to feel this. But the truth is, is that th- we actually move through grief in a more effective way if we just let ourselves feel what we're feeling. So if I see where my cat you my cat's favorite place to sleep and it just strikes a nerve with me if I let my rather than like ain't got time for that got to keep going but like just for a minute I just let myself feel it I acknowledge that that really I really feel sad about that and that maybe I do cry for a minute and then I take a, a big deep breath and I say okay so I'm gonna go about what I need to do next you know but I think it the sitting with is kind of you know counseling nomenclature but it really just means let myself feel it so I don't need to fight it. 
I, I don't need to be afraid of it. I just need to feel whatever it is. And that, you know, I can have several feelings kind of at the same time. So I can feel sad that I lost my cat. I can feel grateful that I had the cat for as long as I did. I can I could laugh when I think about the cat when they did silly things. You know, it's why sometimes people will laugh at funerals and they feel like, well, that's wrong. Well, no, it's not. You know, you're grieving the loss of this person, but you're also celebrating the experience you had with them and you're remembering funny things that they did. And so I can feel both of those things or sometimes multiple different feelings. And that's perfectly normal. So rather than fight it, I just let it happen. I let it wash over me. And just like a wave, it's not, it might take me under for a minute, but I'm going to come back up. You know, I'm. it's not going to be something that knocks me down and sucks me under in the undertow. I'm going to be able to, you know, I'm going to, I might get some water in my mouth and some salt in my eyes and, you know, carrying out that metaphor of the ocean, but I'm going to be able to shake it off and keep moving. If I let myself feel what I'm feeling, I am going to heal faster if I do that. Yeah. It's so interesting that you call it a wave because that's exactly what I had written in my notes. Like it feels like, oh, this is getting really bad. Now it's better. And it's like, I mean, we're not talking about necessarily hours or something or even days. We're talking about like a few minutes. Like all of a sudden it'll just be like, oh, we're at a we're at a peak. Now mm-hmm. we're at a trough again. Like in this experience of sort of allowing that to happen is very Mm -hmm. new for me. I do not like to allow things to happen to myself. I'm like, nope, I'm in control all the time. Here we go. (laughs) And also maybe in a way being maybe overly worried about the effect that I had on other people. Like I'm sad. I'm not allowed to be sad. Not only am I not allowed to be sad, but it might be negatively impacting my partner, my clients, my like whoever, you know. And maybe that's even at some point how I kind of learned a maladaptive uh, grief processing pattern was this idea of like, snap out of it. You know, like, uh, you're fine. You're fine. Quit crying. Like, everything's going to be okay. You just got to pick yourself up and move on. But like, in practice, that didn't serve me very well. But but allowing things to kind of just roll with the flow, I guess, is the Mm -hmm. best way to, to put it. Um, I've really found that I have recovered like much quicker than I ever have from any other thing. I saw a infographic the other day, one of our, um, a colleague in town, they posted it and it was, um, what people think grief looks like. And it was a straight line. Um, like grief is linear and what grief actually is. And it looked more like a scatter plot. And so I think that's a interesting way to look at it. You know, I could think about it as a wave and I just need to kind of ride that out or I can just accept that my feelings are kind of going to be all over the place. And it isn't, you know, we've, the, the five stages of grief every, most people know about, but most people misunderstand when Kubler, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was writing those, she wasn't writing about traditional grief. She was writing about people coming to grips with like their own mortality, in particular, if they had a terminal illness. So it was those stages of coming to acceptance of I'm I'm going to die hmm. and grieving that process. And so grief, like when I lose a pet, is different than that because I'm I'm gonna have days after a while where maybe I don't even think about that pet. And then I'll have a day where I'll see something I'll I mean, I I my my very favorite cat, Socks, I had him all the way through graduate school um for years through 
uh, getting married and having my child. And he was 18 years old and I um, had to have him put to sleep. And and that's been seven years. And sometimes I still get choked up when I think about him because I miss that guy, you know? And so I'm not crying like I was because that was probably the top three ugliest cries of my life were when we put that cat to sleep. Um, And my veterinarian was brilliant in his his silent support of that process. He didn't say any silly, trite things that people tend to say when someone's super duper sad. Um, He just was silent and he just stood there and it did not feel awkward. It felt very kind and supportive. But even now, like my eyes are actually teary thinking about it because I just miss him. And so, but then I move, then I move on that the wave is much less now. But even thinking about the little scatter plot, it's like there, now there's not very many points, but occasionally there's one. And I'm like, oh, but that's the way grief is. And so it's not, you know, people will say, well, you should be over it by now. That's another, that's another super fun thing people throw mm, out. Or yeah. it's just a pet. Well, those are both really oh, dumb. Those are dumb super things to uncool. say. Super uncool. Right. Yeah. So it's not kind of okay. accepting that people aren't always going to understand, especially if they aren't pet people. And people are also uncomfortable with grief. So they're often going to say things like, well, you know, he's in a better place now, or he's, you had him a long time, or at least you have other pets, or at least he's not in pain anymore. And those aren't untrue, but they're also not super duper helpful when someone's really sad. So just understanding that people are generally trying to be helpful, but don't necessarily always know the right thing to say. And that if you're still sad and it's been a while, that doesn't mean anything's wrong. It just means you're still sad and that's okay. JJ, you've been awful quiet. Oh, I was just sitting here thinking, it's like, I, that's one thing that I struggle with is like, I have no idea what to say. And I try to like, think about, you know, when my mom died, I didn't want anybody to say anything to me. And I know people feel like they have to, mm-hmm. but especially when I was at work, when I was at work, I was like, okay, this is my distraction. This is what I'm using to kind of keep myself together for a while. And I just wanted to like there somebody like, hey, I'm pretending like everything's normal. And maybe that's the wrong thing to do, but it's what I had to do to get through the day. And when I got home, then I would just, you know, let it happen. But if someone came up and said anything to like, I could tell that they were going to like people would approach me and they'd have that look on their face. And I'm like, please don't, <laughs> please don't, because now I'm going to fall apart here and I can't do that right now. I have to do this right now. You feel like you need to because you want that person to know that you're you do feel bad for them or you, you want to be supported, supportive, but it's kind of like, I never know what to say. I'm terrible with it. I mean, there's like this meme that I've seen where it, like somebody's like in the floor crying and there's another person in the distance with a broom patting them going, they're there. <laughs> that is me. Cause I don't Aww. know what to do. I'm just like, oh, fuck, what do I do? So I never know exactly like how, and, and everybody's different too. Some people are like me and they don't really want a whole lot of they're there. There's other people that like totally need it and will actually be like upset with you if you don't give them that. So I'm there like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do. So, you know, that's a great, that's a great point you bring up JJ. And I think people won't genuinely want to be helpful, but a lot of times they don't just say, I need you to tell me what you need me to do mm-hmm. because what I think they need is probably what I would need, but not necessarily what anybody else would need. So I think saying, I am just super sad for you. I don't even say I'm sorry just because I, I have a whole like platform that I have about mm-hmm. apologizing when it's 
really not because I've done something wrong. So I, I much prefer saying, I, this, I feel so, so sad with, with what you're going through. You can talk, just let me know if you need anything from me. If you need to talk, you know, I'm going to just check in with you. I'm going to ask you how you're doing. If nothing else, if you don't tell me what you need, I'm going to bring you some food. I mean, you know, <laughs> you can rely on the good old Southern um, strategy, you know, so I'm going to say, <laughs> let me know. Can I, if there, if, can I keep your kids? Can I come, would you like me to, or if it was with the pet, can I come over and just hang out with you? Is there anything you need help with? So I think it's just offering to to say, help me help you. And then letting, mm-hmm. leaving it at that rather than trying to slap some platitudes on it and hope that that's going to be enough. One thing that I really appreciated this week, because I did uh, have to get up and like go to work the next day and the day after that, I really appreciated the understandingness. That's, I know that's maybe not a word, but like, <laughs> whatever word I'm trying to think of, the the office that I was working at that particular day um, is one that I work at a lot. And they were super understanding. Like I texted them that night and was like, here's what's going on. And I don't know when I'm going to be home. And I had already worked very late on like an emergency surgery like that night, came home, saw the situation and was like, shit, I really could have done without this today, you know, but like, nope, but this time. So here we go. And then when I texted the office manager, like, Here's when I'm at the ER, you know, here's what's happening. And she was just like, come in late, come in late. We don't, you know, look, two people canceled. Like, we're going to move the rest of the appointments around and you just come in two hours late. And I was like, thank you. Like, that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. And then when I got there, I really appreciated the fact that no one like made a huge production about anything. Like, I looked like I'd been beaten by a two by four. Like, when I cry, like, my whole face is just like swollen up for days. It looks crazy. So, I literally came in like with sunglasses on <laughs> inside the building. And I was just like, here is what my face looks like. And everybody was like, <clears throat> okay. And I was like, so I'm going to leave my sunglasses on when I talk to clients. Luckily, it's still curbside. So, it wasn't as weird to have sunglasses on when you're talking to them outside. Um, but they were like, sounds like a good plan <laughs> and i was like good <laughs> but everybody was just very like quietly supportive and they didn't freak out about anything and that was really helpful for me like mm-hmm. if i was on the upside of one of those waves they didn't interfere you know they were just mm-hmm. like she's okay i think sometimes what grieving people also need is to be asked about it later as well mm-hmm. you know so yeah. sometimes we have sort of this american culture of you know, like if if someone passes away that you have, you know, a few days, you have the funeral, we expect some sadness for a little bit, then, you know, you better get on back to work, you know? And right. so <laughs> I think that can also happen, probably even happens more with pets, you know, that it's just more like, just keep on keeping on, keep doing what you do, go back to work the very next day. And that may be what we end up doing, but it, I think there's a sense of extra, an extra layer of sadness when, you know, uh, an important date comes up, you know, maybe when you had gotten the pet or the anniversary of the death comes up and nobody remembers to say anything about it. You know, it's, it gets very out of sight, out of mind. Everybody's really busy. So I think someone asking, you know, later on, whether it's an anniversary or just a few months later, Hey, you know, how you, how you been doing since your cat passed away? Or if, if we're talking grief with the person, how have you been doing since you lost your mom? Yeah. You know, just so it isn't just like, oh, well, after two weeks, it's like my bereavement period's over. 
And again, I don't think it's because people purposely think that. I think we just move on and we forget that the person who had the loss is still trying to do that and maybe trying to do that for a long time. So someone saying, hey, I just I just wanted you to know I was thinking about you today and I, I know this is a significant date or it's just been a long time since we talked about it and I just wondered how you were. You know, that can go a long ways. Dana, do you have any specific recommendations for resources about reading about grief uh, or, or help, helping to deal with issues uh, when we experience a major loss? Since I don't specialize in grief, I don't treat it you know, if it's like a significant presenting issue, I generally actually refer out. So there are therapists that specialize just mm -hmm. in grief. Yeah, there's a there's a whole training system called the grief recovery method. Um, oh. And it's a, a whole training process. So there's several therapists in town that that's like in their top three of treating issues. That would mm -hmm. be one of the things they focus on. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only other thing that I had kind of written down to talk about was like, one of the struggles for me is, like you were saying, other people sort of don't handle grief well, or maybe they're afraid of grief. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes their reactions will sort of dictate, I mean, it, it maybe it might even be like subconsciously dictate how you, the grieving person, respond. And I guess, do you have any suggestions about how you can sort of take yourself out of that and be like, uh, this is about me for a minute. <laughs> like, it's less about what other people need right this second. Well, I think reminding myself that specifically is that it's okay for me to be sad. Yeah. It's also okay for the other person to be uncomfortable with this. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. have any control over whether or not they are. That may be someone I don't spend much time talking to about it. Now, if my like my significant other was the one who really had a hard time with it, that's just a whole different problem. And and probably they wouldn't because they probably have a relationship with that pet or with that person as well and yeah. would probably get it more. But if I you know have someone who either, you know, uh, really seems to have a hard time, uh, you know, if they see that I'm I maybe I'm a little weepy or or I'm more quiet and they don't seem to know what to do with that, then I just accept that you know, everybody's got their own way of coping with grief. And that may just not be the person I need to try to get support from. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat myself up for that. I'm, I'm no, there's nothing wrong with me feeling my feelings, just like so there's nothing wrong with them being uncomfortable with it. That's something they have to cope with and deal with. I think if it were someone who was being more verbal and kind of minimizing it, you know, oh, it's just a cat or uh, you only had them for a little while, or you said, you know, like just didn't seem to get it. Mm -hmm. I also can't control that response, but I might say, you know, that's, I probably would say that's actually not super helpful. Um, this mm. is my experience with it. And I was really close to this, this pet. And so probably would extricate from myself from that situation. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to get in an argument with someone about the value of my pet that's passed away. Right. Or that they should appreciate it more because I don't have any control over whether they do or not. So yeah. it may, that would just be a waste of time. What are some of the problems with taking a stuff it down and don't talk about it approach to grief? Um, well, because eventually it's going to come out. So it's it may come out in like a slow burn, but, you know, it's going to come out one way or the other. So I might end up being more irritable with people. I might cry at random situations. You know, it, it just eventually the more I repress 
I think if my like repressing emotion, if I filled my body up with it, then eventually it's going to erupt. And so I allowing myself to feel what I feel, there's no buildup of it. So there's no eruption. It's almost like people that repress have got a dam that they've got built and it's, it's either going to just give uh, the whole thing's going to break or it's going to start like popping. I don't know if this is actually how a dam works. I'm like picturing <laughs> like a Looney Tunes cartoon in my head, but it's like poking through the the cracks in the dam and little shoots of water coming out. And then the whole thing blows. It's probably like a wily e. Coyote cartoon, actually, <laughs> sure, I think, yeah. now that I think about it. Um, but right, Or that story about the kid with its finger in the dike. I don't right. Know. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's some there's definitely some um, stories there, but. I think the more I just kind of allow myself to experience it, there isn't that buildup. And so the the other thing, and I am 100% not a doctor, but I have seen enough people who have either lived with chronic stress or chronic repressed emotions that end up with some pretty serious health problems, physical health problems that I'm not convinced aren't related, Hmm. That they're almost like their body's kind of attacking itself on the inside because they have lived with such an elevated state of emotion that they fought against. I mean, that you just think about like when you're fighting something super hard uh, emotionally, how taxing that just is on your body, how exhausting it is. So if I'm kind of chronically doing that, the fact that I might end up compromising my immune system in some way. And there may be somebody that calls in is like, that's bullshit. You don't know what you're talking about. But I've just seen enough people to have at least some anecdotal evidence that there's some correlation there that, you know, I I can, I feel like that is definitely a thing because I can remember in the the highest stress moments, there was a year where I had strep throat and flu at the same time twice. I had something going on where they thought that it might've been a mono, but they weren't sure. It just went on forever. I got shingles. All kinds of fun stuff. And since I have eliminated a lot of stress from that, um, I mean, knock on something would, because as soon as I say this is going to happen, I haven't been sick in, gosh, over a year now. I also got shingles when my dad died. (laughs) It was the worst. Oh, my God, that that was the worst. I was going through a divorce and my dad was dying at the same time. And I lost a cat around that time, too. And I was just like, I cannot do any freaking other things. And then <laughs> I then I got shingles. And it was <laughs> like. It was your body's going to say, oh, but here, here you go. Here's one more thing if you're not going to cope. Do not recommend. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, guys. Well, it's time for us to talk about a positive thing. JJ, mm. how are you feeling? Do you- you want to hop on that positive thing bandwagon first? Yeah, sure. I took a couple of days off last week and I I kind of felt like I was needing to do it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to be a little bit more in tune with doing a, I guess, like a, a, a process check. Are we getting extra, extra crabby or are we, are things getting on your nerves a little worse than usual? Maybe you need a couple of days away. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of felt like the beginning twinges of some of that happening in like February and March. And so I knew that there was some time coming up where I could actually take some time. So I just took like a little four day weekend. It was yeah. actually five days because my day off kind of fell in the middle of that too. So I did and it was, it was much needed. I mean, I didn't do anything spectacular, but that was nice. And I found myself feeling a lot better when I did go back to work. I mean, it was a day that was like really stressful 
and I didn't really feel all that stressed out. So I feel like uh, I did a good job by doing that. <laughs> I, don't, I can't, you know, do that all the time, but it's nice. You can take a little day or so every now and then. The important thing is that I've learned to do it before it gets to the point where I need like a year off. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's important. That's that's my happy thing. I, I took some time to, you know, surf the couch and spend time with my husband and my creatures and just kind of disconnect from the whole world a little bit and um, made me a, a, a more tolerable person to be around the next week. <laughs> well, that's good that fostering that self-awareness is like super important. That's awesome. What's yours? Okay. Mine is that I am seeing my mom and my cousin this week. I am also taking a couple days off and I am going to go to visit my mom who lives in North Georgia and my cousin Sarah, who I have not seen um, in a long time uh, since pre-pandemic. And uh, Sarah is, uh, I mean, she's my cousin, but like cousin, like almost sister situation. Like she grew up with me and stayed with us during the summers and, you know, was like a major. She's basically like my five year older sister because I don't have mm -hmm. any sisters. And so I haven't seen her in a long time and I'm really excited. And we're going to go on a self-guided wine tour of uh the scenic Dahlonega Georgia wine trail Ooh. and have a fancy lunch and so I'm like really excited about that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that awesome sounds especially the self-guided yeah. part you can really take your time right that's right mm -hmm. we looked into like you know getting a guided tour and like doing the vans and stuff but it seemed like they were going to keep you on a pretty strict schedule and, like, we're not schedule type of people <laughs> once there's alcohol involved, I don't think. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, and we would have had to drive to the place that the wine tour left from anyway. So, like, then, so anyway, what we're going to do is we're just going to go have lunch and have some tastings and then go, you know, to a couple different places on our own time and everything like that and stay at my mom's house and it'll be a super big fun time. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> I like it. All right, Dana is going to join us for our positive thing. Okay, so I was thinking that what I wanted to share was yesterday, my husband and I, our daughter and a friend, and um, one of my colleagues and her husband got to go to a minor league baseball game. And <gasps> that doesn't sound particularly amazing, except okay. that if you're from around here, you know that our Trash Panda team um, mm -hmm. was a brand new team. Bought, built a brand new, beautiful stadium and didn't get to play their very first season because of the pandemic. So mm -hmm. this gorgeous stadium was largely unused for an entire year. And this is their, they've just now started their season. So this was their first home series. And we got to go and sit in this very full stadium um, and do it in a, you know, uh, we felt safe doing that. So it just felt like this beautiful return to some sort of normalcy and it was a gorgeous evening and the the whole thing at the end of the game so they won and they had a really incredible it was incredible fireworks show at the end um oh, that wow. just kept going on it like we'd we'd clap because we think it's done and then a whole another <laughs> section would start and so we probably did that six or seven times we were we'd kind of pause wait clap and then finally it was the grand finale but it was it was spectacular just the whole experience, just being at the ball field and 
watching these guys do what they love to do and weren't able to do the whole last year and be a part of this new experience with people in our community was just super fun. It was a really great, positive experience. That sounds so exciting. Mm -hmm. I actually love going to sporting events like that, like baseball and hockey, even though I've, I've never played baseball or hockey. I really enjoy going to those events. They're just really, really fun. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, there is a sense of community there. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. So mm -hmm. how exciting that we get to do that kind of stuff again. That's yeah. so, mm -hmm. I am ready. Let's do it. <laughs> I wonder if they had to use all their fireworks that they didn't get to use last year. <laughs> Oh, no, like, it was a lot. Like, they're going to expire. We 17 have encores. Right. <laughs> it was a lot. All right, guys. Well, if you have questions, if you have stories to tell us, if you have cases that you want to share, uh, please send them to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. We're at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. For 2021, we've posted a listener survey. You can find that survey at introvets.com slash survey. Please fill it out. It'll help us bring you the best content possible. Please. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.